Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good, good. All right. I am uh, excited to continue our series today, Finding True North. Um, years ago when I was in college, um, back in the 1900s, um, yeah, I mean, it's true. It just sounds really, 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 really old when you say it that way, but it's true. Uh, back in the 1900s, uh, I was in college and me and some friends from ECU uh, went up to visit friends from UNC Chapel Hill and we were out just killing some time. We went out for this little hike in the woods in Chapel Hill and uh, I had been there about, I kind of grew up in that area a little bit, visiting there a lot. My sister went to UNC Chapel Hill and she's quite a bit older than me, quite a bit. Uh, if she happens to see this, I have to throw that in there. Um, but I, so I'd been there when I was a kid and gone through this little trail, this little hike. And I'm thinking, okay, 10 years ago, I've got a really good sense of direction. I got a really good memory. I remember. So we're about to come out of the woods to finish the hike up. And I'm sort of like in the back of the pack and I'm like, all right, I'm going to show everybody how cool I am. I'm going to go and take this little shortcut that's coming up ahead and I'm going to pop out and I'm going to be there waiting for him. And that's going to be really cool. It wouldn't have been cool even if it worked, but it doesn't work. Hang on. And so I, I veer off. I quietly like sneak off from the rest of the pack. They're all talking. They don't realize I'm gone. And so like, I'm like, I'm running like a leprechaun, like lucky charms. <laughs> I'm so excited, you know, that I'm going to get ahead of them and I'm going to come out and wait. And so I'm running and I'm thinking, okay, it's just a short shortcut. I'm going to be there in just a couple of seconds. They'll, they'll be so stunned. And I'm, I'm running and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I keep going and the trail's not ending. I come out, what come find out, I'm gonna fast forward the story, about a mile, a mile in the opposite direction. The opposite direction. I was too proud after the first couple of hundred yards when I started realizing, when I started thinking, okay, this isn't exactly right. You know, this is supposed to be short. I, I didn't stop and turn around. That's all I had to do. I had to go back to the same trail. There were no other turns. I could have gone back, got on the main trail and joined them. But no, my pride kept me. And so it turned this whole big ordeal. They called in the Coast Guard. No, they didn't. But I mean, they were, they were frantic. They thought I had died. And this was like pre-cell phone for real. And so you couldn't just text somebody. You couldn't call anybody. I know a lot of y'all are like stunt pre-cell phone what is that you know you know you couldn't carry that old edison phone around so you know we just couldn't get up and so i'm I, they're freaking out they finally find me i'm laying in the dorm room taking a nap i did find my way back because i do have a decent sense of direction just not relying on 10 years ago experience where i've been one time but i tell you that for a reason because a lot of people get lost when they think they know what they're doing uh, a guy by the name of Jarl Magnus Reber, just this past year, uh, he's from Norway, I believe, was in the Beijing Olympics, and he was a cross-country skier. And he goes out on this 10-kilometer course, cross-country skiing, and he is uh, in the lead. He takes a wrong turn and gets off 40 seconds. He was in the lead, 40 seconds, he goes from first to eighth place. Would have had a gold medal if he just kept on the same path. But he goes from first to eighth place. That is a big drop. In 2017, this one takes the cake for me. A guy by the name of Gary Robbins, a, a ultra marathon runner from Canada, was running this race out in the western part of uh, our nation. It's an ultra marathon. That means it's 100 miles of running. 100. Yeah, 100. Nobody chasing you. You're paying, you're paying money. You're paying money to do that. 
I, I've run marathons, 26.2, and everybody looks at me like I'm crazy, but that's a next level nut, 100 miles. And, you know, it, it's nuts. So he's, he's running, he's doing this, he takes a wrong turn, and he's coming up to the finish, but guess what? He's coming from the wrong side. Yeah. He's taking a wrong turn. It's through mountains. I mean, literally, you're running up mountains. I don't like driving up mountains, you know? And so he's running up mountains. He takes a wrong turn, and he says, he tells them all this later, he literally had to swim across a river. Okay, that's not part of the course. <laughs> it's not a, a duathlon. It's a run, you know? He swims across the river, but ends up coming on the backside of the finish line. He gets there. And he was going to be the 16th person that has ever completed this ultra marathon. Not that day, but ever. Can you imagine signing up to run a race that people die instead of finish? Well, I don't think they die, but you know what I mean. Like they don't actually finish. And he was going to be the 16th ever to ever finish. He gets to the finish line from the wrong side. And they figured out that he had run 98 miles out of 100. And he collapsed. And literally collapsed into the fetal position. You know, I mean, he was just exhausted. And he was like, you know, shaking. And, you know, he just couldn't, he could barely talk. He was gasping for air. And he had run 98 miles out of 100. And to top it off, wasn't on the right course. All that wasted time and effort. You know, all that wasted time and effort. That frustration, it would be so demoralizing, right? It's so utterly demoralizing. It's soul-sucking. And in some scenarios, when people get off the right course and get onto the wrong course, it can be even deadly, right? You know? In different areas of our lives. And see, we can be like that. We want to be true on true north as a church, as, as believers. We want to stay the course and be focused on the right course and not get off track. But it's so easy to do. It's so easy to drift. Maybe not even get away from God, but just off of what God has called us to be as the church. So how do we make sure we stay on course? Jesus painted a clear picture of the truth. He told us that spiritually people can think they're on the correct path. But yet many will find out way too late that they're wrong. And for some people, that's like a shocker. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is all love and unicorns and rainbows, right? You know, he wouldn't tell people that they would be thinking they're doing right, but really be doing wrong. But he says in, in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few now i want to pause really quick right there because i would believe a lot of people in our world and our society would believe the exact opposite and if i'm going to be a little bit risky and a little bit uh oh i would say a lot of people that attend churches think it's the opposite they would say oh the road to salvation is easy and it's wide everybody gets to go but jesus said the exact opposite didn't he and we've got to listen. He goes on, skip a few verses down to verse 21. It says, not everyone, Jesus still talking here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, meaning the end, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you 
Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This isn't evil, wicked people he's talking to. It's just people who simply didn't focus and make sure they were on the right path. Because the path is what? Narrow. And few will find it that leads to life. And so should we be focused on staying on course? That's a question you can answer. We should, right? We should be focused. So how do we avoid getting off of the course and getting off of True North? You know, here at Movement Church, uh, we have some core values that we try to talk about from time to time. And two of our values are grace and truth. Grace and truth. And we, we talk about the grace of God a lot. We, uh, I really can confidently say we're not a judgmental church. We're a loving church, and we help people when they're going through difficulties. Because why? We've all been through difficulties, and we all stumble and sin, and we all mess up. And so we all need the grace of God. There's not a single person who doesn't need the grace of God. But we also have to make sure that we're bound and built on truth as well. Because a lot of times people say, well, it's all about grace, but they forget the truth. And so if we don't have truth, we don't understand our need for grace. But when we get the truth and we hear what God's word says, then we can understand we need grace. And it takes away any pretense, any desire that we think we can do something on our own and be good enough. In John chapter 1 verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And at our church here, we don't believe in grace. Uh, excuse, we, we do believe in grace. Excuse me. We believe in grace, but not at the expense of truth. And we believe in truth, but not at the expense of grace. Because just as easily as some people get uh, thinking it's all grace and it doesn't matter what you believe or what you do about the truth, then a lot of times people just love truth and they act like they kind of enjoy that people are going to hell. And they don't believe in grace. And so we want to have both. We want to make sure we're like Jesus and that we believe in grace and truth. So what it means is if you value truth but you have no grace, you push people away. And if you only espouse uh, grace but it's not based in truth, you trick people into believing a false gospel. And so we've got to be clear and we've got to make sure we stick to our, our, our faith in the path that God's laid out. It may be tempting to believe that everybody is okay and everybody believes the same thing. But sadly, it's not true. In 2020, uh, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University did a study, and they found that evangelicals, are, and those are defined as people believing the Bible to be true, the reliable Word of God, amazingly are almost as likely to reject absolute moral truth as to accept it. It was 46% rejected, 48% accept absolute moral truth. This is people who claim to follow the Bible, and it's half and half. You know, it's half and half believe that there's absolute moral truth. And among Christians in general, just 54% identify God as the basis of truth. This isn't people who don't consider themselves Christians. This is Christians that were polled. Within that group, those whose beliefs position them as what might, people might call born-again Christians, 7 out of 10 say that God is the basis of truth. In a similar proportion uh, were those that identified as evangelical, 72% uh, said they believe that absolute moral truth and that God is the basis of truth. And then those that identified as Pentecostal churches, 70% said that they believe God was the basis of truth. But the percentage drops precipitously, it said, among those who attend either a mainline Protestant denomination, 37% of those people said 
that God is the basis of truth. Why are you wasting your Sunday? <laughs> I'm sorry that sounds crass, but really, if you don't believe in the God that you're claiming to worship, why? And then it also said that when it questioned people who identified as Catholic, 43%, only 43% believe that God was the basis of truth. And Barna, the leader of this study, this, this, uh, this poll or whatever, he says this, only half of Americans now believe in an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, and forgiving God. And less than half believe the Bible is completely true and relevant to modern life. That's scary. That is scary to, to know that our, our world, our nation is in a place like that and the church isn't vastly different on the whole. You know, I hope there are some pockets where that's not true. But in a world where people claim to follow Jesus but don't overwhelmingly believe in absolute truth, it's alarming. So the question is, how do we stem the tide? How do we stop this precipitous drop in people believing in the God who made us? And how do we stop ourselves from hearing what Jesus said that those people would hear? Depart from me. I never knew you. And as we often say here at Movement, it's not just about us, right? It's not just about us. How do we stop other people from hearing those words? Depart from me. I never knew you. Well, what did Jesus say in Matthew 7 where we didn't read? Verse 24. Let's pick up there. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So what Jesus says in that whole context of people not finding the path and that people will hear, depart from me, I never knew you, even when they've done miracles in my name and they called him Lord, they called him Lord. He'll tell, depart from me, I never knew you. He said, you build your house on the rock, not on sand. You build your house on the truth of the gospel and make sure it is the gospel truth. And so if we're going to stay focused on true north, we've got to build on truth. Now, I could have come up with uh, some truths and lies, and that's what we're going to do. And I could have probably come up with 10 truths and 10 lies that those truths combat. Or I could have probably come up with a hundred, but I know you guys, your butts and your stomachs can't handle that long of a sermon. So we're going to do four. All right, y'all with me? Can y'all can y'all handle that? Four. We're going to do four. Four lies and four truths. First lie is this: a lot of people believe. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. And, and people believe that. And I, I hear it espoused in, you know, within the church at times. It's, people say, oh, follow your heart. It'll never steer you wrong. <clears throat> False. False. It will steer you wrong almost every time. Because you also know a saying, the heart wants what the heart wants. And the heart don't care what is right or smart or brave. Or, or, it doesn't care about any of that. The heart is deceitful above all things, the scripture tells us. And it says, so the truth that combats that lie is this, follow God, don't follow your heart. Follow God, don't follow your heart. We've got to stop believing that lie because it gets so many people, especially Christians, off of the, the path that God has laid out for us, the, the straight and narrow, so to speak. We cannot be so naive to think that our hearts will steer us right. So many of us have gotten wrapped up in sin and disobedience because we believed our lying, stinking hearts. Okay, you're, you're arguing with me in your head, maybe? Think about this. 
Most of us in here probably dated somebody in seventh grade that we wish that nobody in this world would ever find out who they are. <laughs> yep. And for those of you under like, I'll say what, 25 or something like that, ha ha, everything you've ever done is on social media, ha ha. My junk hidden. They don't know what I did when I was 16. I'd be locked up in chains. But I'm telling you, we all have thought, he, he is the one. She is the one. And like, they were a mass murderer and you didn't even know it, you know? I mean, it's like, we, we just, oh, the heart. We, I'm going to follow my heart. Your heart is stupid. It is stupid. Follow God, his word, his truth. We know deep down, we know that our hearts are deceitful above all things. It says in Jeremiah 17:9. I'm going to read it. And I want you to read it just so it's not just me. Don't take my word for it. There's a lot of scripture in this sermon today. We're talking about truth, so that's probably a good idea, right? All right, let's look at this passage. The heart is deceitful above all things. And it also says, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You might think your heart is steering you right, but you need to be careful because your heart is desperately sick and it's hard to understand your heart. So what's the answer if we can't trust our hearts? We, we've said it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That, I grew up in church. I went away for a long time, but I grew up in church, but that was a song, you know, that we sang. And it's easy when something is a song when you're a kid to just not even pay attention. But man, that's some truth right there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Don't trust in your dumb heart. And you're, you're a wonderful person. I love you. I, yeah, my heart's dumb, too. My heart is dumb, too. Trust God. Follow him. It says in Matthew 6, but seek first his, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. When you seek the kingdom of God first, when you trust God and follow his path, that's when things will work out for you, not when you follow your heart. Lie two. Sincerity is all that matters. You ever heard this one? A lot of people believe it. As long as you believe something sincerely, that's all that matters. For a long time, and now it's making a comeback, people believe the earth was flat. It's making a comeback, y'all. It's making a comeback. It ain't just Kyrie. It's, every, it's a lot of people. Y'all, who's Kyrie? Y'all don't know who that is. Anyway, but it's not, uh, people believe this kind of thing. And, and so what we need to understand, just because you believe something doesn't make it right. So the truth that we have to combat this lie is that truth is essential. It doesn't just matter if you're sincere. You need to be sincere, but you need to make sure you're on the truth. You know, we hear it countless times. It's, people say it's not important what you believe. When John chapter 4, verse 24, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, we're going to have scriptures that are going to be on the screen, but some of them I'm just going to be reading to you. It says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus said these words to the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Do you remember that story? He says that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
He's talking to this woman and, you know, he points out that she had really been living a messed up life and she decides to start a religious argument because she wants to get the tension off of her. And she said, well, you know, us Samaritans worship here and you Jews worship up there in Jerusalem. And, you know, Jesus said, okay, one day, pretty soon when I make things right, it's not going to matter where you worship, but it matters that you worship in spirit and in truth. And so he is combating the actual idea that as long as you're sincere, he's like, nope, you're wrong. He says, you Samaritans are worshiping something you don't know. We're worshiping who we know. But one day soon, we're all going to be able to worship in spirit, but it's got to be in truth. He goes on, and we understand this idea from this. You can be sincere and yet sincerely wrong. And that's not popular in our world today, but it doesn't make it any different from being true. And that's something that we've got to do in love. We have to communicate that in love because if we care about people, we're going to let them know the truth. It goes on in John chapter 8, verse 31. I'm going to read this one for you as well. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free if you abide in my word. First Timothy 4, verse 1. You can read this one along with me. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insecurity of liars, excuse me, insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. You know, Paul writes to a, a young preacher and he's saying, look, there's going to be a lot of people who might have some good intentions. Some of them do, some of them don't. But they're going to depart from the faith and devote themselves. It says deceitful spirits. And look at that next phrase. The teachings of, say it out loud, demons. That doesn't, we, we say, oh, well, you know, they're just missing, they just don't understand. If it's not in Scripture, he says it's a teaching of demons. If it's something that pulls people away from God. And he says, insincerity of liars. We've got to be careful and we've got to make sure it, we understand it doesn't matter if you're sincere, if you're wrong. You've got to get your focus on the right place. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, skipping another book deeper. It says, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming. Listen to this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That does not sound like everybody is always right, does it? He says that people, and I believe this is a scripture for our times, is that if somebody doesn't like what you teach, they'll find somebody who'll tell them what they want to hear. And if it's not in the word of God, we need to hold each other accountable. That's why I tell people is I study your scripture. Make sure, don't just take my word for it. I am a person. I make mistakes, but I am doing my best to be in the word of God. And all of us are held to that same standard if we're following Jesus. And so we need to make sure that we don't act like one of those people who's just like, oh, just scratch. Like a dog, you know? 
when you get that right spot, you're like, oh, that feels good. I don't have to change my life. Don't have to give any of my money. Don't have to give any of my time. I like this kind of Jesus. Oh, tell me, tell me, tell me. I'm sorry. I'm fired up, y'all. It's important. It's important. Some of y'all are like, mm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but here we go. I want to tell you this. I've heard this phrase a lot. We're a five-year-old church. I've heard people who have come in through these doors and they've said things like this. And this isn't meant to be bragging, but they'll say, this church is different. This church is really different from a lot of churches I've been to. I've heard people say things like, this church is so based on truth. And then I've even heard people, and I really don't want to draw attention to myself, but they'd say, it feels like God is speaking directly to me when you preach. You know why? Because a lot of what I preach is straight out of the Bible. And I don't add a lot of stuff to it. <laughs> yeah, what? That's why. Because God is speaking to you. When a church is based on the word of God, yes, unfortunately it is different from a lot of churches in this world today. And we've got to be true. But the reason I'm telling you that is not to try to boast or brag on us. But some of those people who have said some of those amazingly nice, encouraging, glowing things have found one pet doctrine of theirs that then when we share in Scripture, it sort of gets attacked a little bit by Scripture, and they get angry, or they get hurt, or they get frustrated. And some of them, you know, we always try to say, hey, well, let's sit down and look at Scripture together. Let's talk about it. And I've had those discussions, and I hate to tell you this, and I'm, I'm letting you peek behind the curtain a little bit because I'm just going to be real. Sometimes we sat down, I bring my Bible out, I sit my Bible down, and they bring articles printed off of the internet and people's opinions and what grandma said 30 years ago or what this person said but it's not bible and then i say okay well let's read what this says let's read the bible and they're like uh, uh you know this is what this article says i'm like it's god's word and one of the things that i am i'm so concerned about so i study 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 i don't ever assume that i've got all the answers i continually study i try to look deeper because i don't want to come to the end of my life and find out thinking i was arguing with people when really i was arguing with god and we need to be in the truth of god's word and stop taking other people's ideas and opinions for it but see if it's based in scripture because we can be so sincere but sincerely wrong. 1 Timothy 4.16 says this, Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Lie three. A lot of people believe this. Grace is unconditional. Some people are probably definitely going to push back on this. Here's what I mean. The truth is this first before we go too much deeper. Grace is found in obedience to the gospel. It's found in obedience to the gospel. And when you first hear this, when you hear, oh, grace is unconditional, because, you know, we think unconditional love, we, we use that term a lot, and we, we think about that, it's unconditional. But here's the, here's the thing. If you carry that out, if, if, if grace is unconditional, that means universalism is true and that everybody's saved. And Jesus spent a lot of time warning us and telling us that not everybody is going to be saved, Right? So there are conditions to receive the grace of Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't even have to have gone to the cross. If everybody was going to be saved, and even if he did, then everybody saved him. But Jesus himself said, not everybody's going to be saved. So grace is conditional. It's found in obedience to the gospel of Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 15, uh, verse 15 says this. Jesus said this. 
If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, this particular part of this passage, he's talking to his apostles that are getting ready to go out. And he said, the spirit's going to come. It's with you right now. It's going to be in you. And that's interesting. You receive the spirit on the day of Pentecost. It becomes indwell people. And and they get the... Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says, this is what's going on. He says, the world cannot receive him because they don't listen to him. And so we understand there's a condition. In John 14, verse 23, it says this. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And if and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus says, if then. What is that? It's a conditional statement. He just made one before in the previous passage. It's a conditional statement. It says, if you love me, there's the grace. My Father will come dwell with you. It's going to be good. But there is a condition Grace, okay, I want everybody to hear me in case anybody's arguing with me in your head. And I know it happens sometimes. I'm married, I understand. And that's not just in her head. She argues with me, I argue with her. Wow, y'all are tough. Y'all don't fight. Okay. Grace covers every sin, and we don't deserve grace, but it isn't unconditional. There's a difference between those two ideas. And we've got to make sure we understand that. And I'll just leave it with this. Just because you meet, or excuse me, um, just because you meet the terms of a free gift doesn't mean you earned it. You know what I mean? If somebody offers you, um, you know, I don't have any rich uh, ancestors. They didn't leave me any money. Um, But if they say, okay, here's the terms of my will. When you turn 21, you'll be able to receive your inheritance of $1 million. Did you earn that $1 million? But what do you do at the age of 21? You meet the conditions. And that's what we're saying. It's not unconditional because reason, reason that's a danger is because if grace is unconditional, then we don't have to tell anybody. We don't have to tell anybody that Jesus died for them. And we know that's not true. Lie four. We're almost done. Everybody hang in there. Good people go to heaven. I hear this one so much. Well, I'm just a good person. You know, I'm going to hope for the best. Don't do that. I love you too much. Don't do that. Good people don't go to heaven. Truth is this. Those in Christ go to heaven. There are going to be a lot of people, and you might could argue me included, that aren't really all that good that are going to be in heaven because of Jesus. There are going to be people when you get to heaven, you'd be like, what? huh? What are they doing here? What? Did I go to hell? <laughs> I mean, it's what you're thinking. That's what you're thinking. You know, that's what you're going to be thinking. Because in some people, that's going to be you for some people, just to let you know. They're going to be like, I'm burning. Anyway, but anyway, here's the thing. This is the truth. Those in Christ go to heaven. I've got a, a lot of scriptures. Listen real quick. Romans 3.10. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not one. 
No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Nobody is good. Good people don't go to heaven. Why? Because they don't exist. Good people don't truly exist. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody sins. And to be in heaven for all eternity, you have to be perfect. And that's why Jesus came and died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of you guys are quoting these scriptures with me. You know them. And, and, but it's important. I want to make sure we're here on the same page. Is that none of us deserve heaven. And there won't be really a good person. There will be people who've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. But there will not be any good people that earn their way into heaven. And so we've got to wrap our minds around that. We've got to get that truth truly in our brains and know this, that no one is good, that all have sinned, and the penalty for sin is death. And so we're all in a mess, except Jesus paid it all. <laughs> Isn't that good? Jesus paid the price for anybody and whoever will come to him. He paid the price for your sin, for my sin. And man, if we want to stack sins, I might probably beat you. But he paid the price because he, he is good because he is God. And he came and paid the price for us. And those who get in Christ can spend eternity in heaven. And guess what? Even if they don't deserve it because nobody deserves it. And so the question as we wrap up this morning is this. How do we get in Christ? And there's one passage of scripture I just want to share. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. It says, For you were all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. When you respond to God in faith, you meet him, you repent of your sin, you meet him at baptism. He clothes you in his son. He makes you, he stands in your place as the righteous one for the unrighteous. And you become that new person. And so in just a second... Stephen's going to come and he's going to lead us through our communion time. And I want you to be thinking about these ideas. I want you to be thinking about two responses. You today may need to receive the grace that is in Christ, that in Christ alone. Maybe today you need to be baptized into Christ. Or maybe you've already done that and you need to dig in the truth of God's word so that you can have truth and grace because you need truth and grace and the world needs us to have truth and grace so there is a decision for every single person here today and I want to invite you as we spend a few moments in communion to think about the blood and the body of Jesus that paid for you to have grace and paid for you to have the ability to know his truth and his love that sets us free so as we get ready Stephen's going to come and lead us and then we're going to sing Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.